Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Second Samuel chapter 11, reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us there, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go to battle, go forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the eventide that he arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof of the, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was beautiful to look upon. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him and he laid with her for he was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house now look at the same trend david saw the woman from the roof of her from the roof of and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself she saw this he saw this woman and as soon as he saw this woman his perception changed and as, as soon as the perception changed what happened was that the, the action of david it influenced the perception of david now influenced the action of david the bible said that she saw the woman was very beautiful and now sent men to go and get her mm-hmm. you would think this is restricted to the old testament look at the new testament also matthew chapter 14 matthew chapter 14 reading from verse number 28 the bible says and peter answered him and said lord if it be thou bid me to come on the water and he said come and when Peter was come down, come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sing. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hands and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, why, why, do you, why did you doubt? Notice the same trend. The wind was already boisterous when Peter was in the boat. Okay? The wind was already there. There was a lot of storm that was going on already when Peter was still in the boat. If the wind was still boisterous when Peter spoke to Jesus, the wind was still boisterous when Peter asked Jesus that, can I come to you? If it is you, let me come. The wind was boisterous when Peter took his leg out of the boat. The wind was still boisterous when Peter was walking on the water. But the Bible makes us to understand that as soon as the focus of Peter changed, moved from Jesus Christ to the sea. What happened that the, the senses of Peter now kicked in? Peter realized men don't walk on water. And what happened? He started sinking. When he saw, his perception changed and his pursuit was affected. Yeah. It affects everything that you do. As long as your focus on the Almighty God is not distracted, as long as your focus on the Almighty God remains sharp, as long as you are focusing on what you know, on what is most important, what God has called you to do, what you will find is that you will constant, you will be able to walk with the Lord consistently. But as soon as there is a deviation, as soon as there is a diversion, as soon as there is a little tilt away from the Almighty God, what happened is that we will start sinking. What the believer focuses on is very important to the Christian life. Okay? A broken focus will cause us to start thinking like Peter. 
A broken focus will start making us to backslide like David. A broken focus will make us to rebel like Adam and Eve. And I pray that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Our focus is a function of what we see. Please keep that in mind. Our perception is a function of what we see or what we focus on. And our pursuits is a function of our perception. Please let's keep that in mind. Now, the question that I want to ask us this morning is why do people fail? Why do people fail? Why do Christians fail? Why do people start out believing that God is able to do all things and then end up in a place where they believe that they are the one who can do all things, that God is no longer God anymore? Why do we start out the journey, the Christian journey, all excited, trusting God that God is able to do all things, and then we now turn at the end of the day, we begin to doubt the presence of the Almighty God and believe that we can do it by the arm of our own flesh. Why do we do that? It was Mike Modoc, Dr. Mike Modoc, who said that the main reason that people fail is because of broken focus. See, the main reason, if you check everything, when companies rise and they become very popular and they become very strong and they become very, you know, very influential, is that they, they begin to decline when they lose focus on what is important. The same thing that happened to a corporation, the same thing happens in the life of an individual, it happens in the family, it happens in the church. The main reason why people fail is because of broken focus. As believers, we must be clear about some of the basic questions that keeps us in the line of faith. We must be clear about the basic question. We must be certain about the certain question and have those questions settled in our hearts. As a Christian, we must be clear about why God saved us. You must be clear why you were saved. You must be clear how you were saved. You must be clear for the reason for your salvation. You must be clear about the purpose and the you know the purpose of the of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. We are we know what is going on in the mind of God when He decided to save you. You must be clear about the purpose and the focus of the Christian life. You must be clear about it. Because if you are not clear about it, what will happen is that you will begin to pursue the wrong motives. You begin to pursue the wrong things. Why are, why are we as Christians, you know, why are we, what, should, what should be the purpose of the Christian life? What is the important thing in the life of a believer? You must be able to settle those questions. You must be able to settle those questions. As believers, we must be clear about the basic question if we want to be successful, if we want to successfully work with the Almighty God. We must be clear about the questions of our faith. Why must we be clear? The first reason is because the devil is going to challenge your faith. The devil is going to challenge your faith. You say you believe in God, you say, fine. You believe in God, yes, I agree with you, you believe in God. But it will put trials in your way. If you are not settled on those questions, you will definitely be challenged. Your faith will be challenged. Not only that, why must you be focused? Why must you understand this question? Number two is because the world will question your faith. The devil will not only challenge your faith, but the world will question your faith. They will question what you believe. They will question why you believe. They will question how you believe. They will question the validity of your faith. Yes. So, we must, the world will question our faith. That's why we have to be settled on this question. Not only that, your, your situation will distract you from your faith. If you say God is able to do all things, and there is something you have been praying about for a year, for two years, for three years, for four years, there is a time when your heart will begin to play tricks on you. And say, does God really hear and answer prayer? Does God really exist? And then all those kind of questions will go. If you are not settled... On the basics of your faith, the situations in life will distract your faith if you don't take time. Number four, why must you be settled in your faith? You must be settled because our flesh will doubt our faith. Our flesh will doubt our faith. You are believing God for healing. 
You are believing God for deliverance. But you find out that the same particular kind of sickness keep coming back. Keep coming back. The same issues keep coming back. You have been asking for deliverance. But the deliverance is not there. At one point in time, your flesh will say, Are you sure you believe in God or you are actually just deluding yourself? Your flesh will doubt your faith. But most importantly, God demands that you be settled on these issues. And that was why he told he spoke to us in the scriptures. He said, I said before you today, life and death. He said, choose life that you may live. You know what God is saying? Make up your mind what you want you want to do. Stay, you know, make, take a position. Take a stand. Okay? Don't begin to go back and forth. Don't begin to, don't begin to vacillate. Don't begin to go back and forth as if you don't know what. Don't begin to waver on your faith. God wants, God demands that you know exactly what you focus on. That is why it is important for us as Christians to know the essence of our faith. The question then is, what is the essence of our faith? What is the faith all about? What is a Christian faith all about? Why are we even in this particular Christian business all the way? What is the Christian faith all about? To answer this question, you must understand what the Christian faith is not about. You must understand what Christianity is not for you to understand what Christianity is. Okay? The first thing we want to understand is that Christianity, the Bible tells in the book of Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, reading from verse number 17. The Bible tells us there, it says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, okay, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, Christianity is not all fun and dandy. It is not all high good, you know, everything is good. Uh, yeah, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the, everybody's happy. It is not God is going to meet all your, all your needs and you never have problem in life. That is not Christianity. The Bible tells us, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, Christianity is not about deliverance from unfulfilled life. No. Though you might be delivered from your life, you might be delivered from unfulfilled life, but that is not the essence of the faith. Number two, Christianity is not about deb- relief from debilitating, uh, debilitating habits. It's not about delivering you from your bad habit. No. Though by the time you get encountered with the Almighty God, by the time the Spirit of God starts working in your life, habits that are debil- that are destruct- destructive habits might be broken, but that is not the essence of our faith. Christianity is not the restoration of control in your life and relationship. No. Though by the time when you come to Christ, you begin to learn the basics of how to live in good relationship and in good relationship and live a happy life. You might begin to learn that, but that is not the essence of the faith. Christianity is not about building yourself. It's not about building your building your self esteem. That is not the essence of our Christian faith. It's not to build your self esteem. It's not to rub your back and say, okay, because your daddy didn't hug you very much when you are growing up, so God will not start hugging you. That is not the essence of our faith. That is not the essence of it. Christianity is not about building up your skewed uh, self-esteem. There are those who want us to believe that the purpose of salvation is behavioral modification. No! Salvation is not about behavioral modification. Salvation is not about the therapy of sin. No! Salvation is deliverance from sin. That's what salvation is. It is not about rehabilitation of people. It's about transformation of life. And if you don't understand the differences between these things, it is possible for us to begin to focus on the wrong thing. Okay? The message of the cross for some people is that Christ came so that you can have a fulfilled life. Yes! You will have a fulfilled life when you are connected to the Almighty God, but that is not the essence of our faith. That is not the essence of our faith. 
This idea of salvation by uh, you know this idea of salvation by poly, salvation by survey is attractive in an environment that is dominated by self-indulgence and self and extreme uh, extreme selfishness. That is where those things are possible. But God Himself, His intention is for us not is not for us to begin to say live a life of self-indulgence. The Bible tells us that the purpose of our salvation is the deliverance from sin, which is rebellion against God. That is the reason why God came. Okay? That is the reason why we go, why, 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 why Jesus Christ came. Staying focused will be difficult if we do not understand the essence of our faith. What then is the essence of our faith? Matthew chapter 1. Reading from verse number 21. Matthew 1, 21. The Bible says, She shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sin. Simple. That is the essence of the faith. That is the reason Jesus Christ came. That is the reason why he died on the cross. That is the reason he suffered what he suffered for us. Though that he can deliver us from our sin. Every other thing can be added. And that's why the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then every other thing shall be added unto you. When you first seek that particular deliverance, when you seek that, that work that Christ finished for us on the cross of Calvary, that is when you will now be able to add every other thing unto it. But you cannot add every other thing to it when you have not even started the journey. And that is why 2 Corinthians chapter five, chapter 2 verse 5 tells us, He that is in Christ is a new creation. In other words, when that work of deliverance from sin has been accomplished in your life, you become a totally new, crea- a totally new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Behold, things have become new. If the salvation we claim does not deliver us from sin, you have heard me say this a million times, if the salvation that we claim does not deliver us from sin, we need to seriously check that salvation. We need to seriously check it. What then is salvation? Salvation is man recognizing that he has no resource to cure the lost condition of his soul brought about by sin. Salvation is just seeing, is us seeing Jesus as the remedy for sin. Salvation is us accepting and appropriating the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary for the remission of sin and the bringing about of a new life by the power of the Spirit of God. If you come to Christ primarily because you are looking for fulfillment, if you come to Christ because you are looking for healing, if you come to Christ because you are looking for a husband, if you come to Christ because you are looking for a wife or looking for a job or looking for a better life, I can assure you that it will be very difficult for you to stay focused and it is possible that you might be disappointed. Not because God will not answer prayer, not because God doesn't answer prayer, not because God doesn't give a husband, give wife, give deliverance, give healing, give all those things that you are looking for, but because you are focusing on the wrong thing. That's why it might be possible for us to be disappointed. The reason you end up being disappointed is because Christianity is not behavioral therapy, like I said before. It is not motivational speaking, like I said. It is not personal development. It is not possibility thinking. That's not Christianity. They might have those elements in it, but that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is surrendering our lives to Christ and allowing Him to be Lord over our life. So what is the purpose of our faith? What is the purpose of our faith? Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse number 10. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his deaths. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, 
if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended for Christ Jesus. From this verse of the scripture, we see the purpose of our faith. And number one, the purpose of our faith is in threefold. The first one is the purpose of intimacy. Christ saved you so that he can have a relationship with you. Intimacy. Paul the Apostle said that I may know him. That is the intimacy we're talking about. That's the reason why God brought you into his fold in the first place. Intimacy. Number two is that, that, you know, is that of fellowship. So the purpose, number one, is for intimacy. Number two is for fellowship. Fellowship with the son and his body. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And the third one is the surrenderedness. And be the, the fellowship of suffering. Being made conformable to his death. A surrenderedness to the will of the almighty God. Those are the threefold purpose of our faith. Intimacy with the son. Intimacy with the son. Fellowship with his body. Surrenderedness to the father. That is basic. That is the, the, that is the, tree, that is the tree leg upon which our Christian faith rests upon. Because if you don't have intimacy with the Father, if you don't have intimacy with the Son, you are not in fellowship with the you are not in fellowship with the body. It is very, very difficult for you to be able to surrender to the will of the Almighty God. Okay? So when we understand the purpose of the Christian life, that the life as a threefold element, that is when you know which is made up of the intimacy with the spirit, fellowship with the son, and surrenderedness to the will of the Father, that is when we can stay focused on the one who has called us. How then do you stay focused? So that we can wrap this thing up. How do we stay focused? I'll give you quickly five principles that will help that helps a man to stay focused on the journey, you know, on this Christian journey. The first one is the principle of realization. What is referred to as the principle of realization? Uh, that, that Philippians chapter three verse twelve again. In that book of in that uh, in that verse of the scripture that we read, Philippians. You quickly get uh, get to that verse, Philippians chapter three. If you read from verse number. If you read from verse number 12, the Bible tells us there the, what is called, you know, the first principle. Verse number 12. Not as though I already attained. Either were already perfect. In other words, I realize the fact that I'm not yet there. That is how you stay focused. If you believe that you are already perfect, if you believe that you already know everything, what is the essence of you studying? What is the essence of you praying? What is the essence of you asking God for help? You can't ask God for help when you're already perfect. Okay? So, the first one is what is called the principle of realization. The second one is the principle of application. And that is, you'll find that in the verse number 12 also. But I press on that I may lay hold on that which uh, for which Christ also has laid hold on me. The principle of application. No, you know, no athlete hopes to win a prize without applying himself without exercising himself they do not sit by and expect proficiency to come no you want to be an olympic champion you don't sit by in your house watching tv and expecting you to become a best uh, or you to become a, a, an, Olymp an olympic champion no you exercise yourself you apply yourself that is the second principle the principle of application the third one is the principle of concentration the principle of concentration look at verse number 13 brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing i do the principle of concentration. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I focus my attention on one thing. If we are going to serve the Lord, let us serve the Lord. If we don't want to serve the Lord, don't serve the Lord. But stop wasting your time in serving the Lord 50% 50, 50 of the time and serving the devil 50% of the time. I used to joke with my daughter and I tell her, if you want to be a criminal, be a good one. Don't steal useless money. Steal good money so that you can hire the best lawyer and spend 50 years in court when they are litigating the case and you keep enjoying your money. I'm not encouraging you to go and steal money, but the point I'm making is that be concerned, you know, concern the principle of concentration. That is what causes people to be focused. 
You have to be concentrated. The principle of concentration. And then number four is the principle of what? The principle of motivation. Verse number 14. I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying that there's a goal ahead of me. There's something I'm looking forward to. There's something that I'm targeting. There's something I want to attain. That is the principle of motivation. If there is no reward at the end of your sacrifice, what is the essence of that sacrifice? If there is no heaven for us to attain, why are we going through what we are going through right now? Why don't you just live like the rest of the world if there is no reward for the Christian? So there is a principle of motivation. And not only that, and finally, there is the principle of what? The principle of recognition. The principle of recognition, verse number 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have, uh, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us walk, let us uh, be of the same mind. Paul is saying to those of you who are matured, make sure that you conduct your life in this way. Live with a constant focus on the goal of your calling. He now added that if you are having questions or concern, God himself will show it unto you how you need to be able to strive. But he's saying that you need to be able to understand the principle of recognition. That God himself is the one that opens your eyes to see the things that you need to see. And as he does that for you, what you will find is that he will continue to do what? Encourage you and strengthen you. In order to practice these five principles, let me share with you another four disciplines that you have to have as a Christian to be able to keep you focused. Discipline number one is the discipline of the word. The discipline of the word. Psalm 119 verse 11 tells us that what have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When the word of the Almighty God is rich in our heart, what happens is that it keeps us, it directs our path, it keeps our feet in the right way. Number two is the, is the discipline of prayer. You have to be able to pray as a Christian. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. Pray without ceasing. If you don't pray, you will not be able to stay focused. Number three is that the principle of the discipline of a mentor. The discipline of a mentor. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Verse 9. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoices the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. You need somebody who will be able to walk with you. The Bible says two are better than one. If one falls, the other one will pick him up. If you walk in a solo life, if you walk in a solo, if you travel solo, there's a tendency that you might, when you are falling, you don't even know. When you are making mistakes, you don't know. One of the easiest way people get into trouble, or one of the things that I normally tell people is this, a man who walks alone is a dangerous man. A man who has no person who speaks into his life is a dangerous person. If you don't have somebody that you are accountable to, you are a dangerous human being. Because you will do anything and nobody will be able to talk to you. If you don't have anybody speaking into your life, you will be doing something terrible. You will be about to jump off a cliff and nobody will be able to talk to you. So there is a discipline of a mentor. The discipline of accountability. You must be able to have that. And then finally, there has to be a discipline of trial. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10. After you have suffered a while, the Lord will make you perfect. In other words, trial is not, from the, it's not always from the devil. There are times when God will make sure to be able to test your faith, to be able to see how what you are made up of. And when you are going through that particular discipline, it is not for you to complain, it is for you to be able to get better, to be able to see what the Lord intends to you know what, what the Lord intends to do even in your life. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and was going through some very, very difficult time. 
And he told me that he said, it is because of the difficulty that he has gone through that has matured him as a Christian, matured him as an individual. He said, because the things that he has gone through has helped him to be able to see life in a different point of view. The discipline of trials help us to be able to stay focused. Okay? There are somebody that was, you know, there was a particular book written by, I think, uh, Philip Yancey, when he was talking about the need for, for, for suffering and pain. The blessings of suffering or pain. I can't remember the exact title, but it was something about suffering and pain. He's saying that a lot of people that want to live a pain-free life. He said, but there is a purpose for pain. And that purpose is that you might not even appreciate it. Then he gave an example of a, of a leper's colony. He said, a leper, when that particular disease starts coming over their body, they don't feel any pain anymore. They can begin to itch their hand, itch their hand until they get, until they be, until they are able to, they, they itch it and even almost cut off their, uh, cut off their, 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 their fingers without even feeling the pain. But for you and I, we feel the pain. That tells us something, you know, something is normal. Life is not intended to be pain-free. The pain in life is supposed to teach us to be able to walk closer to the Almighty God. So we have to endure the discipline of trials. In conclusion, there is a particular philosopher, in uh, a Danish philosopher, his name is Soren. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but his name is Soren. And he gave one particular, you know, in, in his, in, he wrote a book, and it was in that in that particular book there is a there's a poem in it. And I would like to try and read that particular poem to you. He says, "So may uh, so may thou give to the intellect wisdom to comprehend that one thing, to the heart the serenity to receive this understanding, to the will the purity that wills one thing. In prosperity, may thou grant perseverance to will one thing." Amidst distraction, collectedness to, to will one thing. In suffering, the patience to will one thing. In other words, to be able to be focused on the Almighty God. And the psalmist rounded it up this way in Psalm 27 verse 4. Psalm 27 verse 4. He said, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I may seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I desire of the Lord is to seek after. That I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The question is, what is your own desire? What is your own focus? What is that one thing that keeps you going? What is that one thing that you need to be able to keep your attention on? This is the thing that keeps, you know, this is the we supposed to be the focus of the Christian life. And as long as our focus remains on the Almighty God, God is able to respond to us when we call upon Him. This morning, I want you to be able to do a you know, self-evaluation and ask yourself, do I still have that laser-sharp focus on the things that God has called me for? Let's bow our heads as we talk to the Almighty God. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.